Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Man, it is great to be with you. I'm going to get you to turn in your Bibles to, um, tell you what, we're going to go, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment. We're, we're going to look at um, a couple of other, may, maybe flip to them. I, I know we will flip to them, but I don't know how long we'll stay in any particular one, but I, I want to. I just want to talk a little bit more tonight about the the title that we gave for Sunday morning. Um, is he enough? Talking about is 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 Christ enough? And I, I want to continue that this coming Sunday we will we'll, we'll carry that thought. Uh, I'm excited about it. we'll carry that thought into a message um, coming off of this past Sunday. And I want to take tonight and just kind of gel some things together, give you a few things to think about, and and we'll go go from there. So let's do this right here. Um, let's just read verses one out of First uh, Corinthians chapter ten down to verse fourteen. So we'll read fourteen verses out of First Corinthians ten, starting with verse one. He says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that, flow, uh, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down and ate and drank and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them as uh, them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, 
who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, tonight, uh, as we start in, God, we, we thank you, Father, for the praise report that was given. Somebody that was in desperate need, and they cried out to you, and you heard them, and you answered them. It's an encouragement to us to know, God, that you're still working. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that tonight, God, as we look into this, if we look into it, um, that spirit and truth are going to be exalted. If that's what's going to happen, then, God, we're going to benefit from this. There are many other folks right now that are that are sick. Some have lost loved ones um, in just in the last week in our community, and there are uh, folks that have are constantly getting positive tests for COVID, among other things. COVID's not the only problem that's going on right now. Cancer's still real. Dementia and Alzheimer's is still real. Don't hear much of nothing about it no more. But there are still people suffering with it. As a matter of fact, they're suffering in a new way because they don't have as many people around them loving on them and taking care of them as they used to. And God, uh, separation and uh, loneliness are, are real. And so these things that are real, God, we, we come to you just asking you to please visit your people. Hear, hear the cries of your people. Hear the prayers that are prayed, God. And would you please uh, not only hear, but would you answer them? As we enter into the season that we're in, it seems a little different than it has before, but I think that we are living in a time, God, that you prepared us for with your word. Teach us what we need to know for this day and time. In Christ's name, amen. I don't know about you, but I have things that I struggle with still in my flesh. Um. And, and I know that the things that I struggle with and the things that others struggle with, that is common for mankind. How many of you had to drive from Charlotte or to Charlotte today? Got, some, got a few hands? Yep. Is it possible that we don't want to know what you said in the car <laughs> or what you thought while you was driving? You know? Oh. Um, I would love to put some road signs up down on 85, from 485 all the way down to about McCaddenville. What's that? Yeah, I just want them on that where, where you get down to, when it's narrowing down to the three lanes, I want to put some road signs up on, on that side over there near the middle part that says, you are not the most important person on the face of the planet, so if you get over here, I'm going to run you into the wall. You know, what do you think we sitting in line for? You know, and they're coming flying by and all this stuff. So, and that might be you that's doing that. If it is, I'm, I'm sorry. But it's, but that stuff infuriates you, does it not? And it causes you to have thoughts. What about when somebody just flat out does you personally wrong? I mean, they just, they flat out, they, they did you wrong. I mean, they may have done some other people wrong, but they did you personally. They did you wrong. You you believe in your heart with all, without every, without, without a shadow of a doubt. They did you wrong. What about temptation in other areas? 
you know, what if you're, you know, still somebody that, uh, I don't even know how to say that. Let's just say this, that you, you may have a problem with your eyes wandering, you know, and, and it might be somebody in, uh, dressed a little inappropriately. It might be something that you want. It might not be a person. It could be something else that you're lusting after. Um, but you, you, you struggle with that. That's, that stuff grabs your attention and it holds you. You're not the first person that's ever had that problem. What other kind of temptations are, are, are struggle? I think spending money in general, right? Or not spending money. Some people, it's they, you, you, you cause trouble in your life because you're, you are so tight that you, uh, you're that person that you, you won't turn loose of any money and that causes problems. Or you might be the person that turns loose of it too quick, too easily, and that causes problems. For yourself and for others. There's a lot of temptations in this world. It's not, there's a temptation every day whether you're going to get out of bed or not. Some people may not have trouble with that. I'm not going to sit here and say that I jump up. I am finding that the older I get, I have no choice whether to get up or not. Can I get a witness? I have no, I mean, it's not, there's no, my decision is do I get back in? You know, or not. And it just depends on how I have eaten and drank the night before as to what it could be at 4 o'clock in the morning or it could be at 5 or 5.30. But we have a temptation of whether or not we're going to enter into our day. So there are temptations everywhere. Here's a question for you. If Christ is everything, then is he enough? in the moments of temptation, and is he enough throughout the, our daily life when it comes to that? Because you gotta, you got to figure if, if, he, if what we're dealing with is sin, and we got to understand that. In other words, the temptation may not be sin, but it can lead to sin. You know, that, that it's, it's a lust in our hearts, and then it conceives and brings forth this sin, but it starts with just the temptation. In other words, you don't have to cuss the person out on the road. You made a conscious choice, but it was first a temptation, right? And then it, it grows from that point. And then once you commit it, it is sin. But you didn't have to commit it. And so as we, we go through life, all of these things that we deal with, they're there. And the question is, do you have to give in to them. Because when, when we get into the Christian life and we start talking about truth and we start talking about whether God's enough, I think it poses this question. If he is enough, then do I have to live a lifestyle of sin or am I free from that? Because he says if the, in John chapter eight, he told the Jews, he said, the reason that you're in bondage is because of sin. But if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, you shall be free for sure. Completely and totally free. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that, 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 that there is a sinless perfection in the Christian life. But let's just say this. We all know that we're so far from sinless perfection, if we'll just be honest, that if we were to follow after Christ and live for him, it would almost look like we were sinless 
compared to the way that we may live today. Now, you may be in a situation where you don't have that, have a problem with sin or temptation in your life, and you've mastered all that. I think it's a daily walk. No matter how long you have been a Christian, I think it's something that we constantly have to work on each and every day. I see, I see silver heads agreeing and all people that are more senior in years than I am and, I'll, and, and they've been walking with Christ probably longer than I've been alive. And they, if they're admitting that they still struggle, I think all of us would say, yes, we deal with these things. But the question is, is he enough? Because if he paid the penalty on the cross, if, he is, if he's enough to pay that payment and he is empowering us, he is filling us with the Holy Spirit, he is teaching us through his word, which he's provided for us. Is it enough or is there something lacking in Christ? So is, 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 it, is it on him or is it on us? And if it's on him, then we need to pack up and go home. Let's just be honest. If Jesus is not enough, and I've said this many times before, but if he's not who he says he is, then let's just, we might as well, I, I want to go home. I want to go find something else to do. Because if he can't do what he says he can do, then how am I going to trust him to take me home one day? Because see, that's a, to me, this whole rapture thing and the, you know, bodies in the grave deteriorating, sharks have eat people, distribute them from here to China, all out in the ocean. I mean, you know, if it, bears, Appalachian Trail, who knows how many of them are spread out through the bushes. And, and, and we're saying that one day, when the trumpet sounds, that he is going to pull all this back together, and we're going to stand with him. That's pretty miraculous, isn't it? I mean, we're not every, body, every Christian body, every lost person's body that has been that has died is not in a vault, in a grave somewhere. What about the cremations and all those things? He's going to put a body back together. We will stand before him, literally stand before him. That's pretty incredible. And then there is a, going to be a new heaven, new earth, all the former things are going to be passed away and things are going to be made new. He's going to do all that stuff. And if he's enough to do all that, he's got to be enough to do this. He's got to be enough for today. I mean, I, I think about, I've been listening to a little bit of teaching and I've been reading a little bit, not, not extensively, but uh, uh, the life of Joseph. Can you imagine having that amount of time to dwell upon being done wrong. And the first thing that was done wrong to you led to another thing that was done wrong to you, led to another thing that was done wrong to you. And every time it seemed God's blessing you, something else happens. But is that not life? I mean, when you I don't know about your life, it seems to be my life. Joseph is is his dad favors him and he buy like has him a, a, a coat of many colors, the tunic. His brothers are jealous of him. They're out doing, taking care of business for the dad. Joseph is sent out to go find them. 
goes to the first place, not there. Go, they send him on. He keeps traveling on. He finds them. They're eating lunch or uh, they're eating. And they take him and they strip his coat off of him and they throw him in a, in, in a hole. There's no water in there. It's empty. They don't know what to do. And, and, and I, I love the idea in their mind. We don't want to do anything wrong to him, so we'll give him to somebody else and let them do something wrong to him because he is our brother. To me, that that think about the process of the thoughts going on there. I don't know about you, but I'm just a people watcher. And even when I'm reading, I'm trying to visualize the thing that's going on. I mean, they, they have stripped him of his coat that his dad, their dad gave him. They threw him in a hole. He has no provisions. They're sitting up there eating. Man, I wonder. They're just, you know, eating their sandwich or whatever it is they're eating. And I wonder, what can we do with him? He's down there. He got nothing to eat, nothing to drink. I mean, that's wrong in and of itself. But then they go, we don't want to bring harm. We, we don't want it on our hands. So let's just sell him. And there's some Midianite travelers that come along, and they sell him. They pull him up and said, sell him, and he's on his way. Washed their hands of him. They put blood on the, the coat, take it back to dad and said, man, he gone. He is gone. But he's not gone. And he is on his way to Egypt. And he gets sold to a man named Potiphar. He starts doing pretty good. God starts blessing him at Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife looked on him. Ooh, he looks good. I want him. She tries to entice him. He won't have no part of it. He's back in trouble again. They put him in prison. There he is in prison. He makes, meets a butler and a baker. They had, while he's in prison, the captain of the guards, he starts, the favor of God gets, he start, they start seeing the favor of God on him. As a matter of fact, let me see if I can uh, get us there. I love this particular part. The verse 23 of chapter 39 in Genesis says, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So he's in prison. The captain of the guards is, is trusting him with stuff. He, the, the other two guys have uh, dreams. He interprets them. The Pharaoh, he has this big party. He gets the, um, well, he, I think he kills the butler, I mean the baker, and the butler is uh, there, and Pharaoh's got a dream that he don't know the answer to what, what it means. He mentions that uh, he met this young guy down in prison, and all and he interprets dreams. So they sent for Joseph, brought him up. And the next thing you know, Joseph, they're, they're wanting to store up grain for in preparation for a famine. 
And Joseph heads this project up, and he does extremely well with it. The reason I think he does extremely well, obviously, is because God favored him. The famine comes, and all the people from all around start coming looking for their provisions. That's been. Can we get some help? Can we get some rations? Can we get some welfare? Can we get some, you know, EBT card? Or can we get something to help? Because we're in a mess. And sure enough, here comes Joseph, his brothers. They don't even recognize him. They go through this whole sordid detail. And finally, they realize that this is Joseph. Can you imagine what, what would it be like to be in that position? You know, how would you, how would you react to it? Would you have already dealt with your issues? But all these chain of events that have happened is constantly, you have, you have been, your brothers betrayed you. They sold you off. They lied to your dad about you. He thinks you're de dead. You finally start making your way up again. And then this huzzy starts to make a move on you. You won't have no part of it. And then guess what? Because you wouldn't have no part of it, uh, then you end up getting thrown in prison. You're in prison. Even, at, even after, and I can't remember the timetable. I didn't go through the whole timetable part of it. But even after you meet the butcher and the baker, it's two years go by after that. After the, the, the uh, I said the butcher, baker, the, but, the baker and the butler. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, that R.C. Sproul, butcher, baker, and the candlestick maker got in my mind, but... That's what he calls them, but the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick. Maybe anyhow, but you you got this. Um, you got two years there before the fact that you your favor with them comes around, and then I mean, then here you go again, and you're you're on the way up again, and and in your mind, I, I, you almost got to believe. Well, what's going to happen next? And all of it started. Because of my brothers. If they had not done what they did, then I would have been at home with my parents. I mean, can you imagine the thoughts that go on? And can you imagine, I mean, your, your thoughts? But, but at some point in time, you got it. Well, he gets to the place, and, and I want you to listen to these words again. We read them Sunday morning. But I want you to listen to them again. His, his dad in verse 17 of chapter 15 says, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers. He sends word and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. They told him what their dad said he wanted, his wishes were. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I mean, when you get into the, the depth of the maturity of the statement that Joseph makes there, that's incredible, is it not? 
He's not letting them off the hook. You meant this for evil. In other words, you, you intended it for evil. You worked evil in your heart. And it was, you know, it wasn't just that you'd done something bad and it just happened to fall on me. No, you planned this. You did it to me. But then God meant it for good. Doesn't mean that God orchestrated their actions. It's not like they were trying to help the providence of God out, you know, by doing this. But God worked in spite of the things that are happening. And, and it's almost as if Joseph has gotten to the place where he says, you know what? No matter what has come my way, God has always seen me through. And he's trusting God. I mean, because think about it. Look at God favoring him, even with the captain of the guards. He's in prison, but yet he's a prominent person. He's, he's trusted. And it's not uncommon in scriptures for people that are in situations like that, that are God's people, to become trusted people because of the fact. Well, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at Daniel. They're, they're in Babylon. They're in captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar, but yet they get put over things. Why? Because they trust them. The leaders trust them. Why? Because, man, they, they're so, so devout to their service to God that they're not going to do you wrong. As a matter of fact, they end up doing themselves wrong to do right. And in all that time, he comes out at the end, and he has the opportunity to do something to them. But see, I don't think he's in captivity at that moment. I think he's free. I don't know at what time in the, his process all these things he got free. I don't know if he was free when the Midianites bought him out of the hole in the ground where his brother sold him. I don't know if he was free. I, and when I'm talking about free, I'm talking about free in here. I don't know if he was free at that moment. I don't know if he was free when he was there with Potiphar's wife. Obviously, his, God's working in his life because he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. What I'm getting at is in our own personal life, you and I, we make choices every single day. And the lie that is told from the text that we read originally, that God will never overload you. That's not true. That's not true. The things that he went through, that Joseph went through, if he didn't have faith in God, I don't know what, what it would have been like. And what about the things that you, you, you go through in your day-to-day -day life? Because see, he says he's always going to make a way of escape, did he not? God will never put more on you than you can handle, but with the temptation... And, and, and see, we look at it so often, and I don't want to just play on that text and just because we've talked about it before, but I want to bring it back up because it, it has a lot to do with the question that is God enough? Is Christ enough? So if, if we get a load put on us, he never said, I won't put more on you than you can bear, period. He said, I will never put more on you than you can handle, but with the temptation, I will make a way of escape. There is always a way out. And I believe the way out is in Christ. 
I believe it's. I believe it is in the surrendered life that we, uh, us surrendering our life to Christ, us surrendering that moment to Christ, that thought to Christ. The person cuts you off on the interstate, slam on brakes, flat spots your brand new tires. You know, decision time. I mean, it's crazy. the The situations we get in, I'll never forget. One time we were uh, doing a boat trip to uh, Charleston from Santee, and there's a guy that's trying to, he's in a boat, let's just, I'm going to say, pretend his boat's this big. A friend of mine is in his boat in front of him that's this big, and this guy is over there like cussing him out and fussing at him, saying that he's blocked, running, I mean like blocked him from getting in the waterway, all this kind of stuff, and I'm sitting there. And I, I want to I want to call him because his son's driving the boat and he's just in the boat. And I, afterwards, I told him, I said, I know what you were thinking. You just run circles around him and drown the sucker, wouldn't you? That's what I would have. That's what I probably would have wanted to do. It's like, what you go? Come on, brother, walk on out here. <laughs> I'll meet you in the middle. We'll settle this thing. But you get in these situations. You get in situations to where you have to make a decision about, like, sexually immoral things. I, I, I agree with my pastor 100%. He said that he had a, uh, was at Missions Hospital one night, went to McDonald's in Asheville. The, the nice one, I think, they got a player piano. I used to have a little piano in it and all. He said it was nobody there except for one other person in the, in the workers. This decent-looking lady was sitting over there. And she moved a table closer to him. He's sitting there eating his cheeseburger. She moved another table closer to him. Kept looking. He said, I got my cheeseburger and I left. He said, because I know this one thing. He said, since high school, I ain't never got no better looking. <laughs> he said, stuff like that didn't happen in high school. He said, so something's up. Some logical thinking, but the truth of the matter is all of us have times. A lot of times this one we're most vulnerable that we have to have, you know, come to grips with a decision on things. And I don't trust me. I've told you this so many times. And I think if you trust you, you're putting your trust in man. I'm strong enough to handle it. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. Let's go back to, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Listen to what God says. I don't know about y'all, but... He probably knows more about us than we do. Would you give me a witness on that one? Yeah, he probably knows more about us than we do. But 1 Corinthians, not second, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, I'm going to go back up to verse... Six. Now, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Uh, and, and do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it was written, the people sat down and eat to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell, nor let us be tempted, let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these 
things happen to them as an example, and they're, they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, listen, take heed lest he fall. It's trying to tell us that all these people before us, that we have this, this not, I won't call it a journal, we have the documentation of what happens in, in the life of people. That, 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 you know, enough has happened. You've heard people say, enough people have died. Something must change, right? Well, it's almost as if God's saying the same thing to us. Hey, look, look at what happened to them. That never happened to me. Well, what will it be with you? I don't, I don't never have a problem with sexual temptation. You may not. But that don't mean that you're perfect. You may not have a temptation where wanting to take a baseball bat and beat somebody's head in. You may not. I promise you other people do have a problem. They have that temptation. You may not have a problem with keeping your mouth closed. Some people do. You may not have a problem with, with whatever it is, with, with, with the temptation of money or or. Whatever it is, but I promise you there's something. And if you'll study this book out, you'll find that if nothing else gets us, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eye, somewhere in that's going to get us. That's the original sins. Adam and Eve, look, you see it? Don't you just want to tell this person off? I mean, honestly, that's all you got to do. Just take it. Look, don't it, this new shiny thing looks so good. Just take it. You know that you could do a whole lot better job of governing your life than God could. Why don't you just take it and go on with it? And he's saying... When you and I think, it's like, whoa, never happened to me. Be careful. And this is God saying this to us through the hands of the Apostle Paul. But this is God saying this to us. Be careful. Take heed lest you fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So in other words, every single one of us are on the same playing field. I don't care who we are. I don't care how good we have uh, think we are. I don't care good how, how good other people think we are. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter. Any of us, you have seen people, I'm sure, fall after many, many years of serving the Lord. It just takes one thing. Isn't that, isn't that so crazy? My ministry could be over with with one thing. One thing. That's it. If If it's the right thing, it's over. Isn't that crazy? No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And see, that's the answer to the question, is it not? Is he enough? 
I've got this burden on my life, but I can, I can push through it because God would never load me down with more than I can handle. That is not the context of the verse. And I'm sorry, I don't have it all broke down where I can explain it to you tonight. I'm just wanting to overview it. But still, when you break the context of it down, that is not what that verse says because there's more there. But God's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able? But with the temptation, will also make a way of escape. If you didn't need a way of escape, you wouldn't need a way of escape if the thing was not too much to bear. But he's got a way of escape there. And he's saying, all you got to do, if you take this, if you can't, if, if, if you need to, you escape. And you glorify me. But see, we don't, this is, that's not how we think, though. We think that our strength is seen by us making it happen, right? And I'm telling you right now, you are looking at the thickest skull when it comes to that right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. God is working and has been working for a long time. You know, but... I often think about right now because one of I, I I hate talk when it comes to serious stuff, you know. And I often one of my favorite scenes is in the movie Tombstone. You gonna skin that smoke wagon? You just gonna stand there and bleed, right? And I wonder in my life, I go, God, I don't want to be in that situation. But what if I was confronted today? How would I react? I'd want to believe that I would react in a certain way that would glorify God, but I've not been. I don't want to be in that situation. I know this, though. I have to believe that God is able. I have to believe that. I have to believe that whatever I'm, my situation is, and here's the thing, though. I know he's able, so where does that leave me? Where am I at in that? Is he enough? And if he's enough, then why, why sh- or, or I guess a better question would be, should I fail or should I win, succeed for his glory? Or should he win through me if he's enough? I don't know how exactly it relates, but something that's been on the back of my mind is um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know, their brother is dead. Jesus is dilly-dallying around, if you want to call it that. He's taking his time. And when he finally gets there, it's like, Lord, you know what? <laughs> Just forget, don't, don't, don't open that up, please. Because surely the goodness that stinks has been four days now. Martha, don't worry. Lord, I know that he will live again in the resurrection. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he tells us that in Scripture, is he not? Though though a man die, if he believe in me, he shall live. But he's not living at that moment. And I think so often we want to see gratification that fulfills us that moment. And so we fall into the, the temptation 
to vindicate ourselves or to, to, to you know, defend ourselves, to, to feed a need that we have because we deserve to have this need filled in our life because we're good people and I've just been done wrong and I have had this withheld from me or I have worked my tail off and I deserve this thing over here and, and, and all instead of going, God, you know what? I believe you're enough. And in believing you're enough, I have to believe that your timing is enough. I have to believe that your timing is right. And think about Joseph. He didn't do anything to his brothers after they stuck him in the well. He didn't do anything to his brothers after he just progressively, and you know, it's like, I wonder where they're at. And then it comes all the way down to the place, just make us a servant. His brothers are before him groveling. All those years later, and they're groveling. And he's got his moment right then. You know, you go back to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and you find a young boy. He is one of two brothers. He comes to himself in the pig pen. Father, please just make me as one of your hired servants. The father, that's not what the father does. The father restores him to full sonship right there at that very moment as a party and is celebrating the fact that he's back when he could have put him in his place. Joseph probably could have put them in, his, in their place, but it wouldn't have benefited the cause of Christ. It wouldn't have benefited God's glory. And so I'm just sitting here saying all this to say that if he's enough, if he is enough to save me, if you want some home, good homework for Sunday, read Isaiah 43. Just read the whole chapter, Isaiah 43. If you don't have a Holy Ghost fit running around your house, by the time you get through to end Isaiah 43, something's wrong with you. You need to get saved. I'm telling you right now, after what I'm sharing with you tonight, if you just read Isaiah 43, you ought to be running laps. If he's enough, he can't just be enough in, in, in the moment. He's got to be enough in the timing for everything else. He's got to be enough. See, because it's his plan, not ours. And that's where that whole deal comes in with crucifying the flesh. He's got to be enough. He told Mary and Martha, he's like, you don't understand. Do you know, Lazarus still had to die. That's something that just amazes me. And, and I'm, I'm just like them. I'm like, Lord, if that was my brother, that seemed to have died in a in an untimely fashion or something. Jesus makes this comment. He says, "I'm glad for you that I was here." If I'm thinking right, I think that was in that in that. It's it's a good thing for you to see what I'm fixing to show you. I think it's a good thing for us to read what that. 
he's still going to die. And a lot of people joke around and say, Lazarus, probably the first thing he said was, man, what's wrong with y'all? You know, I was rid of all this. And here you are bringing me back. I got to go through it all over again. <laughs> See, we just don't, that timing part of it and, and the whole working it out, it just don't chart out right on our book, does it? And I, I'm telling you stuff that I don't want to live through, but I probably will have to live through a lot of stuff. You know, I, I'm the one that turns the TV when all the suffering and stuff is going on. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see the little kids at the St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And I don't. Want, I I get it. I know it's real, but I just don't. I don't want to deal with the reality of it at the moment. You know, and stuff. But If we could get the lesson of what he's trying to get across, I think we would be a little more I think we would be a little more dangerous for the Lord. You with me? I mean that in a good way. Uh, you know, a lot of it, we see these things, people talking about, no, when my feet hit the floor, the devils tremble kind of thing. I don't know about all that stuff, but the enemy might would take more notice about our lives if we lived. Like, you know what? Just because my brother died, that ain't got nothing to do with nothing because my God's bigger than death. He's going to live again. As a matter of fact, he never really stopped living. And yeah, you, I might go through some kind of thing where somebody's talking negative about me or don't like me or whatever, but that's okay. He's enough. And his timing's enough. And see, we can't live in a, 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 with a vindictive attitude going, you just wait, God's going to fix it. God's going to show you one day. No, 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 no. We have to live a crucified life that says, I hope that they get the grace that I got. When you start praying for your enemies, that God, hey, here's a big one. Just today, me and somebody else, I won't even name their names to drag them into it. I'll take all the heat myself. It's like, man, it sure would. We ought to start. We, we, we honestly and truly... It would, would we rejoice if Nancy Pelosi got saved? Is that what we want for her? It ought to be. It's the best thing that could happen in her life. It's the best thing that happened in my life. But living that crucified life. Here's a statement I had written down for Sunday, but whatever, I can't hurt to hear it a couple times. If he's not enough, then you're not free, much less free indeed. If he's not enough, then you ain't free and I ain't free, much less free indeed. So I want to challenge you to just 
Evaluate your life. Evaluate where you're at at the moment. You know, what, what is it that, has, that you feel is holding you back from being everything that God wants you to be? And understanding that Joseph could have been everything God wanted him to be at every moment of the journey in his life. I think he was, for the most part. Everything God wanted him to be. Sometimes you're in a pit. Sometimes you're in a prison. Sometimes you're in a tough situation where you've got to make some moral decisions. Sometimes God seems to be blessing you. Sometimes he seems to be stripping you. But all the while, God's working all things out to the good, to those who love him and are called to his, according to his purpose. And I, and I believe that because I believe he's enough. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.